We have been uh, in recent weeks uh, considering key themes in the book of Proverbs, and so I invite you to open uh, to that book with me once again this morning where we've considered so far uh, the themes of wisdom and family and work and money, the teaching of Proverbs, uh, which emphasizes these four subjects a great deal. And today we look at another subject emphasized a great deal in the book of Proverbs, namely the subject of our speech, of the words that we say, of the things that come across our lips. And we begin in chapter 18 and verse 21. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Father, as we consider speech today, I pray that you would put your hand, put your blessing, grant your unction to my speech, to my lips, to my tongue, for the blessing of your people and the help of your people, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's a serious statement, is it not? A serious statement about the potential consequences of our words. And this book of Proverbs contains many more statements as well about our words, about human speech. Over and again, in this book, God speaks to us about what comes out of our mouths. God wants us to think about and be faithful with what we allow to pass from our lips. And perhaps even before we consider more than just the one verse that we've considered, just the subject matter in front of us, knowing that Proverbs deals a great deal, that God cares a great deal about this subject of our words, perhaps already some of us will realize this is going to be very apropos for me today. I need to hear what God says about my words. God, who made man's mouth, Exodus chapter 4, speaks to us in this book concerning evil words. He instructs us also that certain modes of talking are unwise speech. He also instructs us in regards to right speech, right words, the kinds of things we should say. And God speaks in this book, not only in chapter 18, verse 21, but in many other places as well, about the consequences of our speech. And those are our four headings today. Evil speech, perhaps that strikes someone as particularly applicational to you. Secondly, unwise speech. Right speech. How should we speak? And then also the consequences of our speech. Those are our four headings today. And so we begin uh, with evil speech. So many different types of evil talking are treated in this marvelous book of Proverbs. And I want to encourage you to listen well as I show them to you. 
and to ask yourself, does this apply to me? Does this, does this kind of evil speech apply to me? Does this kind of evil speech apply to me? And to make note of the ones that do so that you can address them in your life by the power of God in Christ. You may make mental note. You may remember it better if you actually make a, a physical note or a digital note uh, somehow. But make note of the sorts of evil speech that apply to you over the next few minutes so that you can address them in your life. So that you can do something about them and not be hearers of the word only. And do it by the power of God in Christ. So let me just walk you through what this book says about various kinds of evil speech. The book of Proverbs, uh, for one thing, speaks against contentious, argumentative speech. Listen to it. Chapter 17, verse 14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. Quarreling, strife in our speech. It's like letting out water. You can think when water starts to come out of a dam or when water starts to come out uh, in the bathroom, I think might be what he has in mind here, to be honest with you. Once it starts to come out, it's hard to stop it. And it's the same thing when you start arguing. It's hard to stop an argument, isn't it? Abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. And then concerning contentious and argumentative speech, look at chapter 21, verse 19. Boy, I wrote down the wrong verse there. Um, so I'll just tell you um, that there's one verse that I meant to give you that talks about a contentious woman. And there are actually numbers of verses. I think four or five verses that talk about a contentious wife or woman. Uh, one of them talks about it being better to live on the corner of a roof than with a contentious woman. Or to live in a desert land than with a contentious woman. Don't be a contentious woman. Wife, mother, sister, daughter in your home. And then chapter 25, verse 23, contentious argumentative speech. The north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue, an angry countenance. A backbiting tongue. Don't be a backbiter. Don't be contentious with your words. And then this book also speaks to the matter of cursing other people with our speech. Chapter 26, verse 2, like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, so a curse without cause does not alight. Now praise God that that's true, right? You watch a bird flitting around and never actually sitting down anywhere, and a curse without cause is like that. Praise God that's true. But we're also being told here that people do curse others, and sometimes without cause. And clearly we're meant to understand that it's, it's wrong for you to speak curses towards other people. Chapter 20, verse 20, He who curses his father or his mother, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. Don't curse other people with your words. Proverbs also condemns flattering speech. Chapter 26, verse 28, a lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. A flattering mouth, a mouth that tells people all sorts of wonderful things about themselves, works ruin. Sometimes we can flatter 
falsely. Sometimes we can flatter to gain an advantage. Sometimes we flatter without really thinking. We're, we're not trying to hurt someone, but we're not realizing that we actually are puffing them up. A flattering mouth works through in chapter 29, verse 5. A man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. There's where it is, this whole idea of um, perhaps intentionally flattering someone in order to spread a net for them, in order to do them harm, but maybe even unintentionally. Always puffing someone up, it can be harmful. And then harsh speech as well. Evil speech includes harsh speech. Chapter 15, verse 1, a harsh word stirs up anger. Chapter 12, verse 18, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. Now, there in chapter 12, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. Part of the problem is rashness of speech, to which we'll return under the next heading. But it's also a problem here that these rash words are harsh words. That this person's rash words are like the thrusts of a sword. Do you ever say words that are like that? That just stab people in the gut? Harsh words are evil words. Proverbs condemns also perverse speech. Chapter 6, verse 12, a worthless person, a wicked man is the one who walks with a perverse mouth. Chapter 19 And verse 1, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in speech and is a fool. Do you use perverse speech? It's evil. Proverbs also condemns the evil speech of hypocritical prayer. Listen to this, chapter 28, verse 9. He who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So if you just go on sinning with impunity against God's law, refuse to listen to what God says, your prayer is evil. It's an abomination to the Lord because it's hypocritical. And then listen to what is said about gossip as a form of evil speech. Chapter 26, verse 20, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down. And the opposite, of course, is true. Uh, where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down. Where there is a whisperer, contention flames up, doesn't it? Contention, we're being told here, is, uh, or, or excuse me, whispering, we're being told here, gossip is fuel to the fire of contention. And then two verses later, chapter 26, verse 22, concerning gossip, the words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. When you're whispering on the phone or in person with somebody sharing little juicy gossip stories, that information goes deep into someone's thinking about other people. It goes deep into their soul, into their conscience, and you affect the way they go forward thinking about Mr. or Mrs. So and so. The same thing is said in chapter 18, verse 8. And then I think chapter 16, verse 27 is also about gossip when it says, A worthless man digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire. So a worthless man is digging up evil about somebody, finding out the dirt on them, and then putting it into words 
And those words are like scorching fire. When you share gossip, you're spreading fire about someone and upon someone by digging up their evil and putting it into words. And then, while gossip includes even spreading true information, but information that you shouldn't be spreading, slander is spoken of in the book of Proverbs. And slander we usually think of as the spreading of false information about someone, right? And it can be done via gossip. Slander can also be done in other ways as well. And it too is evil. Chapter 16, verse 28, a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. A slanderer separates two people who were once intimate friends and now because of someone's false statements about one or the other or someone, now the friends grow apart or divide. And then chapter 10 verse 18 on the subject of slander, he who spreads slander is a fool. So argumentative speech, cursing speech, flattering speech, harsh speech, perverse speech, hypocritical prayer, gossip, slander. And then, if I'm correct in my assessment, the form of evil speech that is addressed most often in this book of Proverbs is, does anybody have a guess? Lying speech. Over and again, lying is addressed. To show you the weight of material in this regard, let me just tell you without reading them all, lying is addressed in chapter 4, verse 24, in chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, 12, 17, 12, 22, 14, 5, 14, 25, 19, 22, 24, 28, 25, 18, 26, 28, chapter 30, verse 8. Again and again and again, lying is addressed in this book. Listen to it in a few places. Chapter 4, verse 24. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Do it, my friend, if you are in the habit of lying. Chapter 14, verse 25. A truthful witness saves lives, but he who utters lies is treacherous. Chapter 19, verse 22. What is desirable in a man is his kindness, and it is better to be a poor man than a liar. And then chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Now, did you hear it? First of all, the Lord hates these things. The Lord hates lying. False witness. But then did you hear I said there are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to Him, and He lists lying twice in the list. And so maybe the import is there are six things the Lord hates, but I'm going to mention one of them twice to make it seven. And maybe the reason he's going to mention it twice is because the Lord really hates lying. Not to say that he hates it, he doesn't hate these other things just as much, but perhaps what Solomon is doing here is saying the Lord hates all these things. And let me just tell you, the Lord really hates lying. 
Are you a liar? Lying to your parents? Lying to your wife? Lying to your husband? Lying to your boss? Lying to the government on paperwork? The Lord hates it. Have you been engaged in any of these other forms of evil speech? Argumentative speech? Cursing other people? Flattering? Harsh speech? Perverse speech? Hypocritical prayer? Praying but not obeying? Gossip? Slander? Repent. Repent of your evil speech and trust Christ for forgiveness. He will forgive. God is faithful and just when we confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So repent and trust Christ for forgiveness and walk in the power that is in Jesus that we saw on Wednesday night in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Walk in the power of Jesus for you to die to your sins and live to righteousness in your speech. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Apply that to the sins in your speech. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin in our speech and live to righteousness in the way we talk. For by his wounds you were healed. So that's one category of speech that the book of Proverbs addresses, evil speech. But then it also addresses unwise speech. Unwise speech. Proverbs, God in Proverbs addresses a number of kinds of speech as to the lack of wisdom involved in letting these things out of your mouth. Now, at least a couple of these kinds of speech, indiscreet speech and boasting, are evil as well as being unwise. And another kind of speech we're told in chapter 10, uh, verse 19, will lead to evil. And another of these unwise kinds of speech, according to chapter 12, verse 18, helps evil along as it is employed after the manner of that verse. But in this book of Proverbs, these kinds of speech are also addressed, and boasting is perhaps exclusively addressed, as being unwise speech. They're addressed as to the folly that it is to speak in these words. And there are also types of speech dealt with in this book, dealt with in this book, uh, which may not necessarily be evil or lead to evil or help evil along, but they are unwise, says the book of Proverbs. And as we look at these various sorts of unwise words, let me encourage you once again to listen well and to ask yourself which ones apply to you and to make note of the ones that do so that you can deal with these as well in the power of God in Christ. So, one sort of unwise speech is indiscreet speech. Chapter 25 and verses 9 and 10. Argue your case with your neighbor and do not reveal the secret of another. Or he who hears it will reproach you, and the evil report about you will not pass away. Now, surely revealing other people's secret, verse 9, is evil. Because what Solomon is discussing here, revealing the secret of another, is gossip, which we already addressed. 
as evil. We already saw as evil in the book of Proverbs. But this gossip, this indiscreet speech is addressed here, at least primarily in terms of its unwisdom. Because it's going to harm you if you do this, if you share somebody else's secret. So when you're trying to settle a dispute with someone, it is unwise to go about divulging secrets. Whether it be the secret of the person with which you're disputing or someone else's secret that you think will help you win the argument. It's unwise when you're settling a dispute with someone to say, well, let me just tell you what so-and-so said about you. Or let me just tell you how difficult so-and-so has had had it lately so that you'll stop feeling sorry for yourself. But so-and-so didn't give you permission to tell, you, tell how bad they've been having it. Or, or maybe it's you're revealing the secret of the person you're disputing with because the other people around will hear it and go, aha, yeah, he's right after all. Do you want me to tell everybody how much debt you're in in your credit card? Is that what you want me to do? That's not a good way to win an argument, is it? It's unwise. For he who hears it, verse 10, will reproach you, and the evil report about you will not pass away. People will listen to that and go, what a jerk to bring up somebody else's dirt to win an argument. And the evil report won't pass away. There are a few more forms of unwise speech spoken of in this book of Proverbs. Chapter 25, verse 20, insensitive speech. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day or like vinegar on soda is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. Someone is, uh, someone is uh, struggling with anxiety or grief or nerves and um, to, to the anxious person you sing, don't worry, be happy. Not good. Or, or maybe it's even a, a song about the, the goodness of God and yet the timing or the content of that particular song in the timing is just not the right way to handle it. It would be better for you to be like Job's friends and to sit for seven days and be silent. And there are other, other ways that this can apply, right? It's not just singing to a troubled heart. There's lots of ways uh, that this can apply uh, where the wrong words or, or, or maybe good words spoken at the wrong time are insensitive. Proverbs also speaks to fool-like speech, stooping to the level of a fool. Chapter 26, verse 4, do not answer a fool according to his folly or you will also be like him. It's not wise, Solomon is saying, when someone is talking foolishly for you to stoop to their level and talk back foolishly to them. It's not wise. Also unwise is unfitting speech. Chapter 26, verses 7 and 9, like the legs which are useless to the lame, so is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like a thorn which falls into the hand of a drunkard, verse 9, so is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Sometimes people just talk things that they don't really understand. And it's unhelpful. It's unwise. Untimely speech is unwise as well. Chapter 27, Verse 14, he who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. It's interesting, isn't it? There's a time for everything, and there's a time for loud speech, and the morning time isn't it, right? And the, the, the larger principle is there's a time for other kinds of speech, 
And there's a time when it's not wise to speak in that way. I'm not a morning person, so you can remember this verse on my behalf, but remember it as a general principle, right? Speak at the right time. Proverbs also speaks to the unwisdom of wasted speech. Chapter 23, verse 9. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Sometimes it's better when someone's suffering just to not say anything, and sometimes when someone's foolish and they're not listening or you know they're not going to listen, it can be wasted words to sit there and try to convince them. Wasted speech is unwise. And then chapter 10, verse 19, too much speech. Too much speech is unwise. Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. I think Solomon's saying it's, it's mathematics. The more words come out of your mouth, the more chance there is for you to sin with your words, Right? And perhaps this is a good one just to to put with a lot of these other uh, passages. The more we talk, the more likely we are to engage in some of these forms of evil speech that we looked at. And some of us are more prone to talk and some of us are less prone to talk. Some of us don't speak when we should speak. But some of us just speak because we speak. But we need to hear this verse. When there are many words... Transgression is unavoidable, but he restrains his lips is wise. It is wise to curtail your words. It is unwise to talk too much. And then there are a couple forms of unwise speech that are brought up a handful of times. Uh, One being boastful speech and another hasty speech. Uh, These two are brought up more than the others, if my calculations are correct. Boastful speech. Now, boasting is evil, of course. It's a form of evil speech, but in Proverbs, it's dealt with at least primarily on the level of the unwisdom of boasting. Let me show it to you. Chapter 25, verse 14, like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of his gifts falsely. So in come the clouds and you think, oh, it's going to rain today and water the earth, and then the Clouds don't produce any rain. Here comes a man uh, coming in, making boasts about what he can do or what he can achieve or how good he is at something, but then it's not true. It's not wise to talk that way. Uh, Chapter 27, verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. It's not wise to say, well, uh, as James says, tomorrow we're going to do this, this, and this. It's not wise to speak that way. James says it's evil, but Proverbs, I think, is emphasizing, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't boast about tomorrow. Chapter 27, verse 2, boasting, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Take that with you to Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and personal conversations as well. Boasting is unwise. And then chapter 30, verse 32, if you've been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have plotted evil, put your hand on your mouth. If you've plotted evil, that's evil. But if you've been foolish, if you've been unwise in exalting yourself, it's unwise to exalt yourself, to boast about yourself, 
Put your hand on your mouth. Cease the unwisdom of boasting. And then also mentioned um, a handful of times in terms of its unwisdom is hasty speech. Hasty speech. Chapter 29, verse 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. If you just blurt things out, if you make promises quickly, if you make judgments quickly, there's more hope for a fool than for you. It's unwise to speak quickly, rashly, hastily. Chapter 25, verse 8. Do not go out hastily to argue your case. Otherwise, what will you do in the end when your neighbor humiliates you? In other words, don't just go out quickly and think, I've got it all together, I'm going to win this case, I'm going to win this argument. You better hold back and really think about what you're going to say. Elsewise, somebody who has thought about it will just wipe the floor with you in the argument, won't he? Chapter 20, verse 25. It is a trap for a man to say rashly, it is holy, and after the vows to make inquiry making vows and then later going, well, let me see if this was a a smart thing to say. It's a trap. Chapter 18, verse 13, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Rashly speaking, thinking you know what someone's going to say before you even let them say it. It is folly and shame to do that. And then listen again to chapter 12, verse 18. We looked at it earlier in terms of harshness, but look at it again. There's one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. And part of the problem here, as we said, is the harshness of these words. Someone speaking like the thrust of a sword. And that harshness, as we saw, is evil. But we're also told that this person's thrust of a sword words are spoken rashly. And the idea is, if their speech were not rash, if this person didn't just blurt things out, if this person was a little more wise in his or her speech, the sword might have stayed in its sheath instead of dripping blood all over, spilling blood all over the floor. Rash speech is unwise. And in this case, it promotes evil. It helps evil along. So let me ask you, are you guilty of rash speech, speaking too quickly? You're guilty of boastful speech, indiscreet speech, revealing secrets. Are you guilty of insensitive speech, singing songs, as it were, to a troubled heart? Are you guilty of fool-like speech, of answering a fool according to his folly and being like him? You're guilty of unfitting speech, speech that's beyond what you actually know what you're talking about. Untimely speech, chapter 27, blessing your friend with a loud voice early in the morning. Are you guilty of wasted speech, speaking in the hearing of a fool? Are you guilty of too much speech, saying so many words that transgression is unavoidable by sheer mathematics? Are you guilty of unwise speech? If you are, chapter 4, verse 5, acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Acquire wisdom in your speech. And as you seek to acquire wisdom in your speech and in any other way, know that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Jesus. So, my friend, know and study and love Jesus. 
and you will become wiser in your speech. And to the extent that some of these ways of speaking are evil, these unwise ways of speaking are evil, or in one way or another are connected or can be connected with evil, repent of the evil and trust Christ's blood to cover it. It will. And walk in the power that is in him to overcome it. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness in our speech. So this book of Proverbs has a great deal to say about evil speech. It has a fair amount to say regarding unwise speech. And then notice it has a lot to say about right speech. We've been told, haven't we, how we should not use our words the kinds of things that should not come out of our mouths, but what are we to say? What are the right ways of speaking? Well, as we work through them, again, listen well. And again, note any that you need to address, to add to your repertoire. And then go out in the power of Christ, God in Christ, and live to righteousness in these various forms of right speaking. Right speaking. The book of Proverbs commends blessing. Blessing. Chapter 11, verse 11. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. And I believe that the blessing there is words of blessing because in the next part of the verse it says, by the mouth of the wicked it is torn down. So this is a verse about words and words of blessing. When you speak words of blessing upon your city, God bless this city, put your hand upon this city, send the gospel to this city, then you build the city up. You exalt the city. Words of blessing are right words to speak. So are words of truth. Chapter 12, verse 17. He who speaks truth tells what is right, but a false witness deceit. Chapter 14, verse 5. A trustworthy witness will not lie, but a false witness utters lies. A trustworthy witness. Be that. Verse 25, chapter 14. A truthful witness saves lives. Truth. Speak truth. Words of counsel are also right words of speech. Chapter 27, verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. And then there's another place where counselors of peace are spoken well of. Words of counsel and counsel that brings peace are right words. Words of rebuke are right words when they're necessary. Chapter 28, verse 23, he who rebukes a man will will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. Chapter 27, verse 6 This famous verse, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. It's talking about wounds of rebuke, correction. Chapter 26, verse 5, answer a fool as his folly deserves, that he not be wise in his own eyes. So chapter 26, verse 4, don't stoop to the level of a fool. Don't answer him according to his folly, or you will also be like him. But then chapter 25, answer a fool as his folly deserves that he not be wise in his own eyes. Give him a rebuke that puts him rightly and in a godly way in his place. Rebukes are right words when they are necessary. Here are some right words, chapter 31, verses 8 and 9, words that stick up for the weak. 
Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. Are there people in your circles who are um, maybe not literally mute, but because of their uh, station in life, they don't have a voice like you do? Open your mouth for them. People who are afflicted and needy and being oppressed or potentially oppressed, open your mouth for them. Stick up for the weak. That's a right way to use your tongue. Proverbs also commends gentle words. Chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Chapter 25, verse 15. By forbearance, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue breaks the bone. If you want to persuade a leader, you exercise forbearance. If you want to break the bone, in other words, if you want to accomplish something, or the idea may be if you want to really bring conviction in someone's life, a soft tongue breaks the bone. Gentle words, healing words are right words as well. Chapter 15, verse or excuse me, chapter 12, verse 18. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Healing words. Chapter 15, verse 4. A soothing tongue, or the NASB footnote uh, says it's literally a healing tongue is a tree of life. Healing words. Pleasant words are right words to speak. Chapter 15, verse 6. Evil plans are an abomination to the Lord, but pleasant words are pure. And then 1624, I love this verse. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Pleasant words probably means gentle and healing words, kind and encouraging words. It certainly means words that are sweet and healing Pleasant words are commended in the book of Proverbs. So are persuasive words. Chapter 16, verse 21. The wise in heart will be called understanding, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Verse 23. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Add persuasiveness to yours by being sweet in your speech. Righteous words are right words. Righteous lips, verse 13, chapter 16, are the delight of kings, and he who speaks what is right is loved. Speak righteous words. Well thought out words are right. Chapter 15, verse 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Do you ponder how to answer? It's a demonstration that you're righteous, it says. Well thought out words are right to speak. So are timely words. Chapter 15, verse 23, a man has joy and an apt answer and how delightful is a timely word. We saw that untimely words are unwise. Timely words are a delight. They're a joy. Restrained words are also the right kind of speech. Chapter 10, again, verse 19, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. 
Restraining your overall quantity of words. Restraining your words also when you're angry. Chapter 17, verse 27. He restrains his words, has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. And then listen to this commendation of restraining our tongues. Chapter 17, verse 28. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. And then Solomon says in chapter 21, verse 23, if you guard your words, you'll guard your soul. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. And note well that singing is a kind of speech that's dealt with in this book of Proverbs. And while there is a kind of singing, as we saw, that can be unwise, Proverbs presents song in a positive light as well in chapter 29, verse 6, a man who flatters his neighbor, excuse me, verse 6, by transgression an evil man is ensnared, but the righteous sings and rejoices. Song, when you're righteous, is right speech. And note too that prayer is a kind of speech that is addressed in this book as well. And again, while there is a kind of prayer, uh, we saw that we should not speak, a kind of prayer that is abominable to the Lord, prayer offered rightly is commended in this book. It's one of the right kinds of speech. Chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5 says this, Make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, pray for understanding, in other words, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Pray for wisdom. Chapter 15, verse 8 The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Chapter 15, verse 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Prayer is right speech. And then lastly, under this category of right speech, we should also notice in this book a number of verses are given to the commendation of wise speech. Wise speech. You can find wisdom in our speech commended in chapter 10, verses 13 and 31, in chapter 13, verse 14, in chapter 15, verses 2 and 7, chapter 18, 4, 20, 15, 31, 26. Let me read you some of those. Wisdom in speech. On the lips of the discerning, wisdom is found. Chapter 10, verse 13. Verse 31, the mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom. Chapter 18, verse 4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. In other words, your words, if they're wise, will be like a bubbling brook at which people can drink and be refreshed. Chapter 31, verse 26, she opens her mouth in wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. One of the things that makes this woman an excellent wife is because she opens her mouth in wisdom. And that's surely something that will make one excellent in many other areas as well. Wise speech. So here's right speech for you. Words of blessing, words of truth, words of counsel, words of rebuke, words that stick up for the weak. Gentle words healing words, pleasant words, 
persuasive words, righteous words, well-thought-out words, timely words, restrained words, words of song, words of prayer, and words of wisdom. And I urge you, in the power of Jesus, who bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, I urge you, in that power of Jesus, live to righteousness. Live to righteousness in your speech by adding these forms of right speech in God's power to your speech repertoire. So we've considered from this book of Proverbs, evil speech, unwise speech, right speech. And I said that we had a fourth point, the consequences of our speech. But I'm going to hold it um, till next time, the consequences of our speech, some of which consequences we've already heard today. So the consequences of our speech next time. But we pause here and I close by urging you once again to turn to Christ for forgiveness and for living to righteousness in your evil speech. Turn to Christ as your wisdom, in Christ in whom are all the treasures of wisdom to make you wise in your speech. And turn to Christ who enables us to live to righteousness to make you right, righteous in your speech.